U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services Alex Azar on Tuesday met with Taiwan's Ministry of Foreign Affairs Joseph Wu. Before they spoke behind closed doors, they each read a statement in front of the press. Azar sharply condemned China for working to exclude Taiwan from global organizations. Wu said Taiwan must win its battles against Beijing so that, quote, democracy prevails. The U.S. House Secretary on Tuesday sat down with Foreign Minister Wu. Taiwan has donated 51 million surgical masks worldwide, including more than 10 million to the U.S., and we ask for nothing in return. Truth is, we even had to deliver these supplies quietly in some occasions to keep the recipients free from trouble. Yes, trouble from Beijing. The United States believes that Taiwan's accomplishments should be recognized on the world stage, from which Taiwan has been excluded as an observer for the last four years. I have been a witness to the harmful and counterproductive results of excluding Taiwan from these international settings. Taiwan's medical accomplishments and contributions to world health have earned recognition overseas, but it remains unable to participate in global organizations due to pressure from Beijing. As the highest-ranking U.S. official to visit since Washington broke ties with Taiwan in 1979, Azar made his stance on Taiwan's international exclusion clear. International organizations should not be places to play politics, especially on health care. I look forward to discussing these issues and Taiwan's global health leadership with Minister Wu today. Our life has become increasingly difficult as China continues to pressure Taiwan into accepting its political conditions, conditions that will turn Taiwan into the next Hong Kong. We know this is not just about Taiwan's status, but about sustaining democracy in the face of authoritarian aggression. Taiwan must win these battles so democracy prevails. Wu cited Hong Kong as an example of what China aims to achieve in Taiwan. The meeting was also attended by former Vice President and Public Health Expert Chen Jianren and Health Minister Chen Shizhong. Azar greeted the cameras with a big thumbs up. He also went slightly off script to thank journalists for reporting on the event. I'd also like to thank the media for coming. What a vibrant and concrete example of the shared, democratic, open, transparent values that Taiwan represents. Azar's remarks on press freedom came a day after Apple Daily's Jimmy Lai was arrested in Hong Kong. At this meeting on Tuesday, healthcare wasn't the only issue on the agenda. Following his meeting with Wu, Azar was whisked to National Taiwan University's College of Public Health, where he gave a speech on the subject of Taiwan's contributions to the field of public health. He also emphasized that economic links between Taiwan and the U.S. will deepen in the coming years and made a tribute to recently deceased President Li Denghui. But his strongest words were reserved for condemning China's behavior during the coronavirus pandemic and its failure to step up to the challenge of working with the world. Join me to welcome U.S. Human Health and Human Services Secretary, uh, Mr. Alex Azar. The only public speech given by Azar on this trip, Tuesday's talk, was hosted by NTU College of Public Health. We expect this economic relationship to deepen further in the coming years. For Taiwan, I would say that anything is possible. The sky is the limit for Taiwan-U.S. relations, he hinted, emphasizing the strengthening of economic ties. His main topic was Taiwan's role in and contributions to global public health work. The ambassadors of Taiwan's four Pacific Island nation allies were all in attendance. Taiwan's approach to combating the virus through openness, transparency and cooperation 
stands in stark contrast to the country where the virus began. The Chinese Communist Party has had the chance to warn the world and work with the world on battling the virus, but they chose not to. Azar didn't mince his words when it came to Beijing. He decried China's work to exclude Taiwan from the World Health Assembly since President Tsai's election, as well as its obsession with persecuting Taiwan even as the pandemic rages. Taiwan can help, and Taiwan is helping. Sadly, for political reasons, some don't want Taiwan to help, even when it costs lives. That is the unmistakable message from Beijing in the way it has recently dealt with the World Health Organization. But on the most important <coughs> health challenge of this century, genuine cooperation was lacking. During the 15-minute address, Aza was clearly suffering from a cough. All the subjects mentioned included a tribute to late President Li Donghui and an endorsement of Taiwan's status as a global leader in public health on behalf of President Donald Trump. U.S. Health Secretary Alex Azar has disappointed Taiwan public health experts after refusing to guarantee a supply of U.S.-developed vaccines. At a press conference in Taipei on Monday, Azar was asked if the U.S. was willing to help Taiwan secure COVID vaccines. Azar replied that once American needs were met, vaccines would be made available in the world community. Washington is currently funding vaccine research with the goal of rolling out millions of doses by the end of the year. When the first successful vaccine is ready, production capacity will be limited. Setting up a new production line would be very difficult. It would take at least two or three years. So when the vaccine first arrives, there won't be enough for everyone. The more we can get by the end of the year, the better. But it would be very hard for us to secure a sufficient supply, which means enough to vaccinate 70% of the population. That's how much we'd need to have. From a public health standpoint, the most critical thing we'll need this winter is vaccines. Of course, Azar's visit has brought lots of other good things to Taiwan. But actually, what would be of most substantive benefit are vaccines. Former public health official Su Yiren said there was, quote, no point to Azar's visit if it didn't produce an agreement on vaccines. Health Minister Chen Shih-chung has publicly objected to Su's remark, calling it careless and clueless. Kaohsiung is just days away from its mayoral by-election, and the three candidates are making a final campaign push. On Tuesday, DPP candidate Chen Shimai canceled a canvassing effort in favor of a, a visit to flood defenses in light of the tropical storm battering the city. Meanwhile, Taiwan People's Party candidate Wu Yijen announced plans to spend the last night of the campaign talking to the man on the street. KMT supporters are excited by the news that former Mayor Han Guoyu may attend Jing Li's election eve rally. This less than a week before Kaohsiung goes to the polls and tropical storm Mekala is crashing the party. Chen cancelled his canvassing plans heading instead to Shanzai Dinggo flood detention basin at Fengshan. Polls open on Saturday and each candidate is doing all they can to gather last-minute support. One of Chen's campaign ads was graced with the voice of filmmaker Wu Nianzhen. Everyone's waiting to see how the candidates will spend election eve. Chen's camp will be joined in person by President Tsai Ing-wen, Vice President Lai Ting-de and Premier Su Zhen-cheng.
The KMT's lead will be bolstered by party chairman Johnny Chang. The party's Huang Fuxing branch posted online, revealing that former Kaohsiung Mayor Han will appear at her election eve rally. Han's volunteer security team was very close with him. Let's put it like that. The rumor needs to be confirmed for sure. It's not certain or uncertain. It all depends on whether an appearance will help the election. The candidate for Taiwan People's Party, Wu, will issue a stage rally on the eve of the election. Instead, he plans to sweep the streets to talk to members of the public. Is he worried about Han throwing his weight behind Li? We've said before, this election is about policies, not personalities, not parties, and least of all, not endorsements. All three candidates are heading into Saturday with confidence. Speculation rages about whether the polarizing figure of Han will appear on stage with Lee or simply on screen. Either way, there's not long to wait. Notebookmaker Compel Electronics welcomed Premier Su Zhenchang to its Pingzhen factory. The premier held the electronics giants as an important contributor to Taiwan's economy. The day before, Compel Electronics posted its best July earnings of all time. It shipped 4 million notebooks with revenues of uh, 89.7 billion NT dollars, representing a 10% monthly increase and a nearly 15% jump year on year. Compel Chairman Rock Shu was on hand on Tuesday to give the premier a tour. He also took media questions and spoke directly about Compel's succession plan for the first time. When he was asked about the possibility of his retirement, the chairman joked that he was a workaholic and, play, and planned to stay on for a little while longer. If you're getting a passport for the first time, you can now apply right at your local household registration office. After half a year of testing, a new protocol has gone live, letting first-time applicants file their paperwork at a local counter. Previously, first-time applicants had to travel to a regional government office or authorize a proxy to file the forms on their behalf. You might need one for a business trip or perhaps a flight to nowhere. For whatever reason, first-time passports can now be processed at your local household registration office. The policy came into effect on Tuesday, marked by a ceremony in Taoyuan, the gateway to the country. You can see the underpinnings of the digital nation in a household registration system. Our smart public services reflect our core values concerning progress for Taiwan. This opening ceremony marks the turning of a new chapter. After more than five months of testing, the digitized passport application system went live nationwide on August 11th. Previously, first-time applicants had to go to one of five consular bureau branches in the country. Now they can head to their nearest household registration office. To get a passport, they'll fill out a form, attach an ID and photo, and complete identity verification. The Bureau of Consular Affairs then uses the household registration system to review and approve the application. Applicants can pick up their passport just eight days after payment. At foreign affairs offices, there are often very long lines of people reapplying for passports. So during this period, we're grappling with COVID. Although you can't go on holidays overseas quite yet, we encourage first-timers to make use of this time. 
help stagger the applications and get a head start on passport preparations. Under the impact of the epidemic, only some 500 applications were received in the trial period, falling short of the forecast of 400,000 applications a year. But locals at one household registration office said the new system would simplify what was once a chore. Identity verification is not needed if you want your passport reissued. That is to say, you can entrust a travel agency to process the reissuance for you. But offering this service at household registration services is something we can consider for the future. For first-time applicants, long queues at the Consular Bureau can now become a thing of the past. To get their passport, overseas travelers need only travel as far as their local household registration office. Following the arrest of 10 pro-democracy figures in Hong Kong, Taiwan civic groups have launched a petition appealing for Hong Kong police to release them and honor their right to free speech. Monday's police roundup included some of the highest profile uh, profile leaders of Hong Kong's democracy movement. They were arrested under the city's new national security law, by which they could be extradited to China to stand trial. Wearing glasses and a face mask and carrying a bundle of clothes, this is Agnes Chow of the now-disbanded pro-democracy political party Democisto. She was arrested at her residence at 8 p.m. on Monday. More than 10 police officers were present at the scene. They apprehended Chow and searched her home before taking her away. And under the strong sense of fear of the national security law, it is even more important for us Hong Kongers to not surrender and to continue to believe in the universal values of democracy and freedom. Chow was arrested under China's new national security law on accusations of inciting secession. Her arrest was part of a larger operation on August 10th that lasted from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m., in which police raided several locations and arrested 10 people. Among those arrested were Apple Daily founder Jimmy Lai, his two sons, several Apple Daily executives and pro-democracy activists. That same day, Taiwan's presidential office issued a statement condemning the arrests. On Tuesday, Taiwan activists launched an online petition calling on the Hong Kong government to release the arrestees. We're afraid the national security law will endanger freedom of speech in civil society. It's saying that for Hong Kong, the days of free speech are numbered. The people who were arrested under the national security law yesterday, including the people from Apple Daily, Agnes Chow, and other civil rights activists, must be released immediately. This is no longer about freedom of the press. This is about law and morality. 200 police officers raided the building. Was that necessary? The oppression over the past year has grown stronger and stronger. The people of Hong Kong are not on retreat. U.S. Vice President Mike Pence sent out two tweets in response to the arrests. One of them shared a photo of his meeting with the Apple Daily founder last July. He said Lai's arrest was deeply offensive and an affront to freedom-loving people around the world. Meanwhile, U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo also took to Twitter, saying Lai's arrest was further proof that the CCP has eviscerated Hong Kong's freedoms and eroded the rights of its people. Through a spokesperson, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson said the national security law was being used as a pretext to silence opposition. First of all, I must um, stress the Hong Kong police force always respect the press freedom and the media's right of reporting. 
The Hong Kong arrests are believed to be a response to U.S. sanctions on 11 Chinese officials and their allies last Friday. The Apple Daily founder and other arrestees could be sent to China to stand trial. Hong Kong police have denied any connection between their arrests and U.S. sanctions. Whatever the story behind the arrests, fear and silence are taking hold of Hong Kong as the sword of Damocles hangs over its pro-democracy leaders. A deadly explosion ripped through Beirut, Lebanon on August 4th, killing more than 100 people and injuring around 5,000. In response, World Vision is providing basic needs, shelter and psychological aid to those impacted by the explosion. It's appealing to the people of Taiwan to donate. Thousands of people were injured and more than 100 have died in the explosion at the port of Beirut in Lebanon on August 4th. The explosion was caused by the unsafe storage of 2,750 tons of an industrial chemical called ammonium nitrate, according to the Lebanese government. Damaged buildings and debris could be seen within two miles from the blast. Local hospitals are overwhelmed and up to 300,000 people have been made temporarily homeless. This has been one of the most difficult days which uh, Lebanon has witnessed. The blast did not only shake Beirut, but the entire country. Houses have been completely destroyed and hundreds, if not thousands, of families are homeless. Lebanon is already going through an existing economic crisis and add to that the COVID-19 outbreak. Lebanese government has declared a two-week state of emergency. The explosion may have caused up to 5 billion U.S. dollars worth of damage, as estimated by the Beirut governor. As many as 500,000 people may need humanitarian aid, said World Vision. The organization's initial response to provide aid aims to reach 120,000 people. Well, at this moment, we have five, uh, $5 million U.S. dollars, okay, and global-wide. We try to, uh, in a way, internationally, we work together. Okay, um, to give the support for the first stage. They, they need uh, some of the, the basic living costs because of food, okay, and the hygiene things, and shelters, okay. And another part is very important is, uh, is a psychological aid. World Vision is calling for the public to donate online to help these affected by the explosion in Lebanon. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Huang Yuchun in Taipei. Food delivery apps enjoyed a surge of popularity during the worst of COVID in Taiwan. According to the government-funded Institute for Information Industry, more than half of the Internet users used a food delivery service at least once in the first half of this year. But now that the epidemic is waning, will food delivery apps stay just as popular? Well, it depends, according to the market research report. More than 70 percent of service users said they were happy to continue using it. But among those who quit, 40 percent cited the reason of delivery fees, which can cost up to $60 and tea. The data shows that delivery fees will be a key sticking point for courier companies as they work to expand their customer base. Morning exercise is usually associated with early birds and health-conscious seniors. But one demographic you might not expect to see out jogging in the morning held a sports day in Taipei to upend stereotypes about their work. Celia, that's bartenders. And despite the popularity of nightlife in Taiwan's big cities, the professionals who keep bars ticking sometimes get a bad name. The lively event celebrated the sunny side of a normally nocturnal group. He doesn't have the time to finish his argument before turning to continue the race. Professional bartending is extra sweaty work today. 
Contestants run as fast as they dare. Drinks piled up high on the trays as the steeplechase track becomes a fast-paced bar scene. <laughs> Successfully flip a bottle and the free pour event begins. Bartenders race to the end and rely on their pouring skills to win the day. <laughs> I'm so tired, but I hope we can destroy people's myths about bartenders. It's Monday and we're out to get some exercise. Otherwise, normally I'm up at night. Young people should be active. Taiwan Bartenders Day aims to destroy stereotypes about the people who work in bars and keep Taiwan's nightlife ticking. The event held at Taipei Stadium showcased lots of sporty challenges based on bartenders' daily work. We want to change Taiwan's views on bartenders. We don't just come out at night. We also exercise in the morning. That's how we keep fit and keep the delicious drinks coming. People of my parents' generation think that bartenders were the naughty kids who hated school and were only up at night. But actually, bartenders love exercise and we have a healthy, sunny aspect to us. One participant came on a boat all the way from Liuqiu Island and he's going back when the day's over. Over 200 bartenders from 14 cities and counties across Taiwan took part in the fun. They hope the audience will never look at their profession the same way again. The Central Weather Bureau has lifted sea and land warnings for tropical storm Michaela. The storm swept past Taiwan on Tuesday, delivering heavy afternoon rains across the island due to its interaction with hot convection currents. Meteorologists say another storm is brewing in the sea south of Japan. It's currently a tropical depression and is tracking west towards Taiwan. Forecasters say it could strengthen into the seventh Pacific storm of the year. And with four tropical storms forming over the past 10 days, typhoon season is at last getting started.